1: Hello, Texas. It's time for another edition of Texas Ag Today. So jump in, buckle up, and take a ride with me around the Lone Star State as we cover the most important industry known to mankind, agriculture. In the news today, it is a busy fall time in Texas. Yes, the calendar says fall is here, and we see a lot of activity as farmers start to wrap up their harvest of summer crops, try to get that wheat crop in the ground, and take care of livestock as we get ready for the cold winter months we'll have more on that coming up later in today's show my name is carrie martin i'm your host along with the largest and most experienced farm news team in the lone star state and we're all standing by to bring you the latest news in texas agriculture from the piney woods of east texas to the rocky ranges of the trans pecos and from the panhandle down to the rio grande valley
2: with high feed prices and wildly fluctuating feeder cattle prices margins for Texas High Plains feed yards remain pretty tight. I'm James Hunt, and I'll have that story on Texas Ag Today.
3: There were good corn yields from this year's harvest in central Texas, while the cotton continues to progress
1: in the region. I'm Tom Nicoletti, and I'll have that story on Texas Ag Today. We'll have those stories, plus Texas wildlife news, and a complete look at the markets all coming up. Fall is officially here, and harvest is moving full speed ahead as it moves across Texas. Kyla Hamilton and her husband Cole farm northwest of Lubbock. She says sunflower harvest is about to get underway on their farm, and there's no shortage of things to do right now.
4: Right now, we're about a week away from sunflower harvest. All of our sunflowers are for oil, um, not confectionery. Our cotton is starting to open up and pop. We're we're a ways away from harvest on that. We are cutting and baling Sudan hay grazer to have something for the cattle to eat through the winter. We're planting wheat, sowing wheat right now for winter wheat grazing We spring calves, so we're in weaning season with our our calves from earlier this year, so that's keeping us busy, and we're also getting ready to pull the bulls off the pasture and put them in the bullpen. We run them through the summer, so lots going on, lots and lots.
1: Hamilton says their Milo crop is looking very good this year, and they're optimistic heading into harvest with a great crop and very good prices. USDA has extended the deadline to apply for the Pandemic Livestock Indemnity Program.
5: Swine, poultry, and turkey raisers now have more time to sign up for aid to offset animal losses due to insufficient access to processors during the first year of the coronavirus pandemic. The U.S. Department of Agriculture has extended the deadline to apply for the Pandemic Livestock Indemnity Program to October 12th. That is also the deadline to apply for the Coronavirus Food Assistance Program, too. PLIP payments are based on 80% of the fair market value of the livestock and poultry lost and for the cost of depopulation and disposal between March 1, 2020 and December 26, 2020. Farmers can apply at farmers.gov PLIP or at their local Farm Service Agency office. Call ahead as appointments may be required. Again, that new deadline is October 12th. For the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network, I'm Jessica Domel.
1: It has been a very wet summer for most Texas farmers and ranchers, but the latest drought monitor shows very dry and moderately drought conditions creeping back into the state, especially in the Panhandle and the Southern Plains. Clay Burson of Lubbock is a beef cattle consultant for Purina Animal Nutrition. He says the key to dealing with the 2021 weather pattern is flexibility.
3: Oh, absolutely. Uh, It's interesting. Across the state, we've just seen some dramatic shifts in weather, and I'm in the western part of the state, so a lot of areas out in uh, west Texas were extremely dry until about three months ago and uh, we were having to uh, make decisions in a lot of places with folks on whether or not we were going to send cows to town or try to supplement at a high level to uh, to keep cows uh, stocked on the ranch as they normally would be and then we get relief in terms of some blessings and moisture here recently so it's really changed things up and uh, from a management perspective you just have to to be flexible and understand that no matter what the situation is we're trying to work to make the most use of our forage base and um, when we don't have much moisture we have to use a bit of a different type program as opposed to when we get rain so it really is about flexibility in my mind and adapting to the current conditions.
1: This has been a great year to produce hay, but Burson says it's very important for cattlemen to know the nutrient value of that hay as they head into the winter months. Margins for Texas High Plains feed yards remain tight. James Hunt tells us that making a profit feeding cattle continues to be a challenge.
2: Cash market prices for fed cattle in the Texas High Plains have been around $124 per hundredweight recently, and Brady Miller of Texas Cattle Feeders Association says whether cattle feeders are able to make money at current price levels is a case-by-case proposition. Actually, Miller says it can more accurately be described as pen-to-pen.
6: Not all pens of cattle are treated equally when it comes to what they paid for the animal, the quality of the animal, what they sell the animal for. And I think that's one of the misconceptions. Whenever you hear somebody say, okay, on an average, we're losing $100 a head, that's on a pin average and not on a facility average.
2: And so Miller says there are some pens losing $100 a head and some actually making $100 a head. High feed prices remain an obstacle to profitability for feed yard operators, but Miller says fluctuating feeder cattle prices can also determine whether a pen makes money.
6: If you look at the auction markets from last week, some of those auction markets were down what I would call significantly. I mean they were down five to ten dollars per hundred weight on a feeder animal. So if you got those animals bought on Friday and that market was down on Friday because some news in the media or something that happened from a Thursday to a Friday, and then we come back to a week later and that market is back up $10, well, those animals that were sold at the auction on Friday at a 5 or $10 per 100 discount Probably going to look pretty decent.
2: Pretty decent in terms of how well they may pay off in a few months when it's time for the feed yard to sell those same cattle to the packing plant. I'm James Hunt on the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network.
1: There were good corn yields in central Texas this year while the cotton crop there continues to progress. Tom Nicoletti has an update from Waco. Dr. Shane McClellan uh, joins us today
3: now from Waco, where uh, we're going to report on uh, Central Texas agricultural activities here in the early to mid part of September. And uh, Shane, uh, the corn harvest in Central Texas is all complete, and uh, farmers were pleased with the yields they received.
7: Tom, they were. It was such a different growing year, just started out, you know, kind of crazy, wet. And then uh, the cooler temperatures lasted. The wet conditions lasted throughout the growing season. Had a lot of questions during the year on you know where we're we going to have good pollination, where the plants able to take up nitrogen. Just so many different questions during the growing season, and they were all answered. The corn plants pretty resilient, and we did have some good yields across the county.
3: And right now, as we head towards the changing of the seasons, uh, the cotton is still uh, plentiful in the fields and growing. And uh, what does that crop look like here in the the central Texas area.
7: Fingers crossed, cotton looks good and will offer a, a good yield. Again, in another crop here in Central Texas that has faced some challenges from a, a bad start, a lot of replanting. Had an early crop that, that kind of survived the, the wet conditions to some cotton that was replanted that, that grew and, and caught up to that early planted cotton. Uh, insect pressure's been, been moderate, and farmers have been able to kind of control the insect pressure. Cotton plants aren't kicking off a lot of fruit like they typically do this time of year. They're still loaded up, and uh, plants look healthy. We did escape any uh, storms off of Ida here in central Texas. Early forecast was calling for some rain and, and uh, I know our cotton farmers were kind of cringing a little bit because cotton does look good. But we uh, escaped that and right now everything looks looks good.
3: And this is uh, September and that also uh, pretty much kicks off the time of the year when uh, producers uh, begin planting their winter wheat and oats uh, for grazing. And uh, that is uh, going to really uh, move uh, move forward here in the coming weeks?
7: The wet weather we've had this year really puts us in a lot better shape for growing grain. A lot of times this time of year, we're dusting in grain, planting into a dry bed. With some available moisture now, we'll, we will uh, have the opportunity to get some wheat and oats, especially oats, up for grazing for some livestock. We won't start planting grain for uh, seed harvest until November. Usually, uh, early early to mid-November is when that planting will start, but uh, a lot of them are, are starting to plant some grazing oats right now.
3: Shane, how do the livestock uh, look at this point as we head into autumn, and of course, uh, you know, one concern out in the fields are fall armyworms.
7: Livestock look well for this time of year. Typically, you know, June, July, August, and going into September, it's just dry and hot, and we've been cooler and wetter than normal. There's more available forage. So that's always a good thing. A lot of hay is being cut and put up. Even with the army worm pressure we've had, farmers were able to, to scout, to spray, and, and kind of keep them back. Lost probably a, a two thirds to a third of some growing on harvest. I know a couple of guys i talked to said they, they think they lost at least one cutting from Army Worms. Overall yield is, is I'm sure down, but just being so wet and cool and in favorable growing conditions, we've put up more hay going into the winter looking good. Stock tanks are full, so that's kind of a, a big change for our area. When you look back to the last five, six, seven years, we, we have a, a lot of dry summers and uh, it's always really good to go into your fall months with hay in the barn and stock tanks full.
3: Yes, that certainly makes uh, the upcoming winter a lot more um, workable for ranchers with all that hay supply.
7: There's always a challenge and, and new things coming up. But In a wet year, you're going to have to deal with more pests typically, and who knows what the what the winter of uh, this year is going to look like, but much less stressful when you've got some hay put up and, and grass growing out in the pasture.
3: Shane, thanks a lot for that report. Thank you, Tom. That is Dr. Shane McClellan uh, with the uh, Texas A&M AgriLife Extension Service in Waco.
1: I'm Tom Nicoletti with the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. If you like to fish for alligator gar, we have a story coming up you may not want to miss. Plus, neurological diseases in horses are not very common. Texas veterinarian Dr. Bob Judd has more on that coming up next, right here on Texas Ag Today.
6: We're
0: keeping you informed on everything happening in Texas agriculture on Texas
1: Ag Today. Neurological diseases are not very common in horses, but Dr. Bob Judd says that if you do have one, it's a very serious
8: situation. If you have a horse that is wobbling when walking, unable to swallow, or walking in a circle, call your veterinarian immediately. As regardless of the cause, it is a significant problem. If a young horse is involved, one of the most common issues is wobbler syndrome that is due to an anatomical pinching of the spinal cord in the neck. These horses usually have nervous system deficits in all four legs but are normal otherwise. Diagnosis of this disease requires good quality x-rays of the neck and sometimes an MRI to make this diagnosis. There are multiple infectious diseases that can cause nervous system signs, and equine protozoal myeloencephalitis, or EPM, is a fairly common one that is caused by ingestion of a protozoa found in opossum feces. Almost 80% of the horses in Texas have been exposed to this parasite, but fortunately only a few develop the disease, and a diagnosis is difficult, as most of these exposed horses are positive on the blood test. A spinal tap to obtain spinal fluid is helpful with the diagnosis, But no test is 100% accurate in a live horse. Another infectious disease is equine herpes virus. And it is very important because generally there are multiple horses affected, as it is common with show horses that are exposed to lots of other horses. The disease is contagious and requires isolation of infected horses. And although there is a herpes virus 1 vaccine, there's no vaccine to prevent the neurological form. And lastly, rabies should always be considered in any horse with nervous system disease, as rabies is contagious to humans and is deadly. So always call your veterinarian for any horse with neurologic signs. I'm Dr. Bob Judd on the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network.
1: If you like to fish for alligator gar in central Texas, there's a drawing that you may want to get in on. Jessica Domel has the details in today's Wildlife Report.
5: Texas anglers have just a few days left to enter the Texas Parks and Wildlife Department's alligator gar drawing. The drawing is an opportunity for anglers to harvest one alligator gar over 48 inches day or night from a section of the Trinity River that runs from the I-30 bridge in Dallas downstream to the I-10 bridge in Chambers County. It includes Lake Livingston and the East Fork of the Trinity River upstream to the dam at Lake Ray Hubbard. That encompasses the following counties, Anderson, Chambers, Dallas, Ellis, Freestone, Henderson, Houston, Kaufman, Leon, Liberty, Madison, Navarro, Polk, San Jacinto, Trinity, and Walker. According to the Texas Parks and Wildlife Department, that segment of the Trinity River has become one of the most popular destinations in the world to catch a large alligator gar but there are concerns about over-harvesting and the potential impact that could have on fishing quality. Craig Bonds, TPWD's Inland Fisheries Director, said that is why TPWD is hosting this drawing, to give 150 anglers the opportunity to harvest the fish of a lifetime while also conserving the natural resource for current and future anglers anglers with a valid fishing license can enter the drawing as an individual or as part of a small group you can enter via the my texas hunt harvest app or online the deadline to enter is september 30th the winners will be notified by october 15th a link to register is available on the texas parks and wildlife department website you can also enter via the my texas hunt harvest app for the texas farm bureau radio network I'm Jessica Domo.
1: We saw a mixed trade in the cattle market on Tuesday while the cotton market bounced back from Monday's big losses. We'll have a closer look at all of the livestock, cotton, grain, energy, and financial markets coming up next. Keep it right here on Texas Ag Today.
0: Trains are everywhere. You should always expect one, even on private property. Only cross tracks at designated crossings that fit your equipment. If you don't fit, don't commit. Whenever you're operating, secure your load, raise your equipment, and avoid getting stuck or causing damage. Minimize distractions. Remember, noisy equipment drowns out the sound of a train. Unless you're crossing, always keep a safe distance from train tracks. Look, listen, live. For more info, go to oli.org. We're giving you the market information you need on Texas Ag Today.
1: We saw mostly lower close in the cattle complex on Tuesday. Live cattle finishing lower with feeder cattle mixed. October live cattle down 32, 122.45. The December down 27, 127.80. February live cattle down 5, closing at 131.47. In the feeder market, nearby September down 15, 154.85. October feeders down 5, 156.62. November feeder cattle up 32 cents, 156.95. Cash fed cattle trades, still quiet for the week. Asking prices here in the south at 124 and higher. Up north, dressed cattle asking prices at 202 and higher. Boxed beef prices lower on Tuesday. Choice down fifty six cents at three fifteen ten. Select down a dollar nine two seventy nine sixty six. Now let's check the auction barns. We're walking the pins with Larry Marble.
4: Let's head over to San Angelo and talk to Benny Cox about the sheep and goat sale he had uh, one week ago today. Benny Cox, how was that sale? We got along real well, Larry. We had fifty-seven ninety-two, if you'll remember. Last week we just had a little over four thousand. Of course, that holiday got us again. Compared with last week, these wool feeder lambs were—they oh, were kind of three to five dollars higher. Had a pretty good jag of them. The uh, slaughter lambs, they were 10 to 15 higher. Slaughter ewes, they sold mostly firm. Didn't have quite as high top end on them, but a lot of times that won't be very many. You know, we had up to, I think, 140 last week, but from a realistic standpoint, the middle, you know, most of them bring right up there the same money. Kid goats, they sell from 5 to $15 higher. Slaughter nannies, 170 to 220 kind of 190 to 205, the uh, mature billies from 180 to 220. Now, on the wool feeder lambs, they bring from 250 to 2, all the way up to 298. Uh, on these uh, light end of these killing lambs, most of them being your uh, sheet type from 270 to 348 and the heavy weights from 220 to 296. But realistically on those old big things, went up around at 95 to 100, and, you know, 115 or so. Uh, kind of a stop at around 250-ish on those. On these slaughter ewes, they sell from ninety to one twenty five, but mostly one ten to one fifteen. Kid goats, they sold in the range from two sixty to three fifty six, mostly two ninety to three thirty. With some of those show uh, prospects we've been seeing show up here the last month or so, up to size four dollars. Benny, tell everybody how to get a hold of y'all. They can call me on my mobile. It's three two five two three four four two seven seven office is the same area code 653-3371. I think I always look at the web which is producersandcargao.com. Neighbor that's it for today's edition of Walking
1: the Pins. I'm your host Larry Marble. Good day to you. We'll see you tomorrow. Thanks Larry. Back over to the futures market. Now we're lean hogs close lower. October down 60 cents 84.37. December hogs down 62 at 7360. Class 3 milk was higher. September milk up a penny 16.62 100 weight. October milk up 35, 1745. The cotton market bounced back after that big 300-point loss on Monday. We didn't recover all three hundred points, but it was a nice triple digit gain. October cotton up one hundred twenty nine points to close at ninety one eighteen. The December now back above ninety cents, it was up one hundred one, closing at ninety oh three. Harvest pressure continues to push corn prices lower, December corn down four and three quarters five hundred seventeen a bushel. September twenty two corn down four and a half at five hundred one a bushel. The wheat market closed lower as good planting progress is pushing prices down. USDA says 21% of the winter wheat crop is now planted. That is ahead of the 18% five-year average pace for this time of the year. We closed with July Kansas City wheat down seven and three quarters, $6.99 a bushel. July Chicago wheat down seven and a quarter, $6.92 and a half. November rough rice up 12.5, 13.85 a hundredweight. November soybeans up 11.5 at 12.74 a bushel. October soybean meal up $1.80, dollars a ton. In the energy markets, October natural gas was down 15 to close at $4.83. October crude oil up 22 cents, 70 51 a barrel. In the financial markets, the Dow up 62 points, $34,033. The NASDAQ up 85 at 14,804. The S&P up 12, 4,372. That wraps up our look at the markets. And that wraps up this edition of Texas Ag Today. Don't forget, we'll be right back here tomorrow to bring you all of the latest news in Texas agriculture. I'm Kerry Martin. Hope to see you next time right here on Texas Ag Today. Thanks for listening to Texas Ag
0: Today.